Welcome to the next episode of Fridays with Fintelect. Today, my guest is Sujata Das Gupta, Global Head of Financial Crime Compliance Advisory at Tata Consultancy Services, currently based in Sweden. Sujata is an international award-winning industry leader with proven excellence in domain advisory, management and IT consulting in KYC, AML sanctions and fraud. She has over two decades of global experience across major financial hubs, uh, namely New York, London, Singapore, Frankfurt, Hong Kong, and now the Nordic region. Uh, leading financial anti-crime programs for premier international banks. Sujata, thank you so much for joining us today. The pleasure is mine too, Shirish. Thank you so much for having me here. So Sujata, at the outset, can you give us a very quick overview of your professional career so far? Sure. Uh, so I started my career, I mean, I was born and raised in India and I started my career in India as well. I joined State Bank of India as a probationary officer, as you know, uh, we, we uh, give the All India exam and that's how I started my career in India. It was Kolkata head office that I uh, first joined. And after a couple of years in Kolkata, I was posted in New York. Uh, and that was, I think, a turning point in my whole compliance career if, uh, uh, you know, if we talk about the compliance thing. So uh, that was six and a half years in State Bank of India, covering India and uh, New York. And then I moved to uh, IT services initially with IBM, then with Infosys. And now I'm uh, leading the, the consulting and advisory for uh, financial anti-crimes for TCS. So I've been with TCS for the last five years now. So that's in brief about right. the journey. Right, excellent. Uh, so Sujata, you know, coming straight to the point, you know, what uh, are some of the technology trends that you foresee over the next couple of years for AML safety compliance. And in this process, how do you see the role of people in the AML compliance function at banks and other reporting entities evolving? Okay, so I'll break this into two parts. The first is about uh, the technology trends. So the first thing that we see is, uh, you know, AML compliance as such, it was never seen as a separate function in the banks initially. So when I started my career with the bank, I did not know that, you know, compliance AML KYC was a separate function because as we know, it was all embedded in the banking processes. So when we were opening an account, uh, we, we did all the due diligence and, and it was all one simple module of the bank, which was called an account opening. Right. But then uh, over the years, we have seen a huge transformation in this in the way this whole compliance has evolved. So it has become a huge, uh, a, a big function in itself. And you now have in every bank, you have a CCO. Why just banks in every company you have a CCO because compliance has become that much important. And um, we know it's it's not a, it's not a revenue generating center. So it's more of a more of an administrative or regulatory compliance business. So. Uh, Though it is not a revenue generating business, we are seeing a lot of technology spend go going into this risk and compliance business. The reason being that, uh, you know, the, the scale, the, uh, the sophistication, the volume of financial crimes has increased so much that whatever the, the technology transformation that we have seen in the last, I would say, five to eight years has been much more than what we have seen in the previous, say, 30 years uh, or, or so. So, uh, because of these, uh, you know, changes in this whole, uh, uh, the, the sophistication of crime, because as technology is advancing, the criminals are making use of these advanced technology to make their crimes more sophisticated. So there is no other way for banks than to tackle that with sophisticated technology as well. And as I was saying, we are seeing a lot of uh, changes in adoption of advanced technology in the last couple of years. I foresee that there will be a lot more adoption. 
in terms of uh, in terms of uh, using uh, a large amount of data using uh, advanced um, technologies like your ai machine learning there is happening a lot of automation is still happening and the other thing i think is uh, collaboration whether it's uh, interbank collaboration or uh, collaboration with the regulators and law enforcement as well, which we are calling PPP, the public-private partnership. So if I have to sum it up as top three trends, I would call it uh, data and uh, AI or advanced technology would be one because the whole compliance function will absolutely be driven by data and powered by AI. That is my uh, you know, first thought. The second would be bringing in more of automation because with this huge volume and scale, it is not possible to manually do everything. So I think there is a huge amount of automation, which is also coming into uh, this whole business of financial crimes. And third is the collaboration in terms of sharing data, sharing uh, models, um, you know, building uh, your analytics together on the cloud, uh, plus uh, your collaboration with the law enforcement and uh, regulators. I think these uh, would be, to my mind, the top three trends. Now, your second part of the question was, uh, how does that impact the workforce? So uh, like I was mentioning till now, uh, it, it was a lot of human effort, whether you take it as a KYC processing or uh, the investigation, uh, it was it was all very, very manual, but uh, it, it is not going to stay this way. So uh, we have to get things automated and, uh, you know, there will be intelligence uh, built into the systems and so on. So I think the workforce, the amount of manual labor that is uh, happening now will have to go away because it's simply not possible to sustain that. But, uh, you know, this is again my firm belief that it does not mean that there will be a reduction in workforce rather i like to think that there will be a realignment of workforce because the machines are only good as you know how humans build them there will still be people required for tuning those models um, you know revising those algorithms like what we saw during the covid 19 machines were not able to tackle because machines did not know of such a situation so there were humans who had to build in new typologies new algorithms so that part of uh, you know that part of human element is still required in maintaining the models and the second part is the judgment still has to be human judgment so people still i mean our analysts they have to move away from doing this manual data collation. Rather, they should uh, you know, try to build new skills around analyzing data. How do they visualize? How do they see something? So when there is data in front of them, how do they make the judgment based on your you know, networks, your graphs, your visualization? I think that is the skill which the workforce should need to learn. So there will be a realignment of labor. So there will still be people, but the skill sets would have to uh, evolve. They need to upskill themselves is what I think. Right. So, uh, Sudhakar, how has the emergence of, uh, you know, fintech and regtech impacted large IT services or large product uh, technology companies? Has it created competition or do you believe that they play separate or, uh, you know, complementary roles in the entire AML safety provider ecosystem? Okay. So again, I'll, I'll, I'll take this in two bits. One is you, you mentioned about uh, uh, the fintechs and, uh, you know, vis-a-vis -vis your IT service providers and product companies. So you mentioned two different things. I think, you know, I come from uh, an IT service uh, company myself. I work for Tata Consultancy. Now, uh, the generically, the, the market has been divided in terms of the product vendors and IT service providers. So, uh, 
they had their own different niche. So product vendors were, uh, you know, developing and building their own products and IT service companies were doing the professional services around it. So there, I think uh, there is a clear uh, differentiation there. Now with the coming in of, uh, uh, you know, these new fintech companies, and I think, uh, uh, you know, we can talk more about uh, the digital players because uh, it's a world of, uh, you know, business 4.0 now. So everything has to be in the digital, digital context. So that has, uh, you know, impacted both of these, I would say. Uh, the, the new fintech players have definitely impacted your leading market product vendors as well as your uh, IT service providers. Now, uh, up to me, I think uh, this has brought in a very healthy competition because the uh, the new product players, as we see, they are focused. They are uh, if if we just talk about uh, the uh, fincrime area, there are very focused players which use digital and AI and robotics to uh, improve the effectiveness and the efficiency of uh, you know your financial crimes uh, prevention detection and so on. And they are very, very niche. They're they are structured uh, in such a way that they are very nimble. They do a lot of research and development. They're very nimble. They are able to adapt very quickly, but they do not have a large workforce as your you know, larger companies have. So uh, they are definitely a competition to the, uh, to the existing product players, but I think it's a very healthy competition. And they have, uh, you know, they have brought in this culture of um, innovation and uh, incubation of new, new ideas, new digital solutions, um, and uh, incubation, uh, uh, sorry, uh, a, a lot of research and development in this area. So I think that has been brought in because of this surge in uh, new FinTech companies, which are which may be smaller in size, but they have made a huge impact. So that way, I think it's a competition, but a very healthy competition. And if we look at uh, the IT service vendors, uh, well, IT service vendors were anyway not working on products, but uh, whichever service uh, company that you look at now, they are strongly collaborating with uh, with these uh, uh, these uh, you know fintech partners as well. Because, like I said, they are all driving uh, the business 4.0 agenda. So, rather than building something of your own, and and these large companies they don't move as quickly as these smaller companies. So, uh, for them to build a product of of uh, you know of that uh, that that much of a niche and sophistication. Uh, rather than do that, they are partnering with these companies. So, so you will see most of these IT service companies are partnering with a large number of these uh, digital fintech players. So again, I see a lot of collaboration on this aspect. And uh, why this is working, I mean, there are, there are a lot of success stories that this is working, is because uh, the professional service companies, they have the reach, they have their clientele, and they have the scale. So, so wherever it's, it's implementation. Now, these uh, new fintech companies, uh, their products are not... Uh, uh, you know, they are API based, cloud based. So implementation of that piece is not so much of a, you know, not too much of an effort. But if you look at banks, a bank just not does not just implement that particular box. There is a whole ecosystem around it. So there is system integration, there is data, there is testing. So the professional service companies, the IT companies are coming in to do that whole, uh, you know, the surrounding services. So I think there is that collaboration also uh, working well. Right. Uh, very interesting. So, uh, Sunata, let's speak a bit about uh, penalties, right? Um, so, you know, regulators all over the world, whether it's FinCEN or VAS or the 6AMLD, uh, everybody is bringing in much higher penalties for non-compliance. But do you think they are really working or are banks just viewing them as a cost of doing business? Uh, and is it really likely to bring in more effectiveness to their work? 
Uh, well, this is a slightly sensitive subject, but I'll try to answer, uh, you know, again, uh, this is what I believe. Uh, yeah, we, we do read about a lot of, uh, you know, penalties and, and this has, I think, accelerated in the past few years. We didn't hear of so much penalties, say, 20 years ago. That is because of, uh, uh, you know, the enormity of the crime itself. And it is, uh, you know, the impact that it has is huge. You know, uh, the, the impact on human lives, the impact on wildlife, the environment as such, and the economy overall, as, as we uh, you know, keep uh, keep reading the, about this number, uh, $2 trillion every year is an estimated amount just through money laundering. And, uh, you know, we do not know the overall impact. So uh, I think uh, these are uh, very significant impacts that it has on human lives, on environment and, uh, and uh, the economy as such. So uh, it should be looked at in that broader perspective. And uh, probably for large banks, uh, the penalty is, uh, is, uh, maybe is smaller than making that whole transformation probably you know i'm not sure so uh, if if somebody is paying a 700 million dollars i mean that is on the higher side if somebody is paying a 700 million dollar of a penalty uh, maybe that is a smaller uh, you know a smaller number compared to uh, you know, the technology spend they have to do if they have to uh, probably um, uh, change the technology in, in 100 countries. So uh, maybe that is not uh, not a proper driver for them to do it. I think the awareness has to come that, uh, you know, it's not just about penalties. It has to be looked at the overall broader perspectives. So uh, maybe that uh, in, in some of the cases, maybe uh, this penalty is of a smaller size and it is being, uh, you know, uh, reserved as a, a cost of doing business possibly because as we said, this is not a revenue generating function. It is it is more of an administrative compliance function. So uh, possibly for, for uh, some of the banks, this may look like a smaller number, but I think that awareness is growing and we are, we are hearing that a lot of transformation is happening because even during the COVID times when IT budgets were cut across the board for all kinds of companies, we saw that uh, uh, the compliance spends did not decrease actually. So, so they were either stable or they had increased because of COVID-induced frauds and scams and you know cyber crimes and all that was happening. So we did see uh, either a stable or uh, upward trend of uh, uh, IT spend in this compliance function where everything else was being cut down. So I think that um, uh, that uh, importance is being uh, awarded, if if not earlier, at least now it's happening. Right. So, uh, Sujata, while we are on the subject of penalties, you know, we uh, see that it is often the larger or, you know, multinational banks that are penalized, uh, or at least they make the headlines uh, more often. Now, in this part of the world, we find that there is often much lower awareness and maybe some lack of importance given to AML compliance at some of these smaller or regional financial institutions, cooperative banks, the DNFPB sector. Now, is this pretty much the same around the world? Uh, you know, what, what have been your, your experiences around this? Uh, I think uh, there has been a regional variation in terms of, uh, you know, how, um, how regulations have evolved, firstly, and how technology has been uh, getting adopted. So again, uh, in, in terms of regional variation, we see that uh, uh, UK, Europe have been among the, you know, front runners where uh, both regulations and technology innovations, they have been... Uh, much, uh, you know, at a much faster pace. And they have been uh, the, what do I say, the trailblazers of sorts. So after that, if I look at UK EMEA, they have been um, at the top. And then uh, uh, probably it's the Americas and, and then comes, uh, you know, Asia and Africa comes a little later. So these numbers, these are not, not my own. Again, you know, these are from, from the various reports that we see. Uh, the analysts have been publishing a lot of reports uh, lately in, in uh, the area of regulatory compliance as well. So there has been this regional variation. And of course, uh, 
you know, probably it is uh, related to uh, the financial inclusion or you know, exclusion, uh, if, if we might call it, because large parts of these developed countries are not uh, financially included. So that also probably is, is one of the reasons, like you said, there is a lack of awareness. So probably that is also one of the um, reasons that, uh, you know, people are not aware of, uh, you know, these regulations or uh, they, they do not even have a bank, say for large parts of Africa are unbanked. So, uh, you know, that is one of the reasons. But then because they are trying to use alternate financial systems, so that is one deterrent that it needs to be stopped so that awareness is also coming in. As you see, you know, FATF has been um, uh, reviewing uh, uh, the AML procedures across all countries. So that is happening. FATF has been going to every country and reviewing them. And whatever, who, whichever country is not, uh, you know, up to the mark, they are being put on the gray list and being monitored regularly. So I think all these things are, uh, you know, happening as of now. Even if you see that FATF's gray list, you will see some, uh, you know, some of the countries which may not be, uh, you know, among the very developed ones. So that regional variation is definitely there. But uh, having said that, uh, we have seen that some of the regulators in Asia, for example, if you see uh, MAS, that's a Monetary Authority of Singapore or Hong Kong Monetary Authority or AUSTRAG in Australia, uh, these regulators have been uh, very focused and very aggressive in terms of uh, driving this agenda. Uh, so we, we get a lot of reports, we see a lot of collaboration of, of these regulators with their banks in that region. And I think that that perspective has been changing now. So uh, while Asia was being viewed as a laggard, again, I'm, I'm uh, talking about the reports that were viewing these as, uh, you know, slightly lagging behind in terms of regulatory and technology adoption. I think that view is changing now. And that is the reason that we hear about Austrac and Mass and HKMA in a lot of different forums, you know, uh, the ones which I attend or I'm just listening in. So there, that uh, view is actually changing. So I would say that uh, you know maybe there was there was some lack uh, or or whatever lack of awareness earlier. But then uh, fines and penalties are not restricted to large banks alone. Maybe they make the headlines because uh, people know about them. But uh, the rules are same for everybody in in one jurisdiction. So it applies to you know large or small. The rules are the same. Right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Ujata. So, um, you know, to sum up, uh, you know, maybe uh, may I ask, does, you know, in your experience and role in, you know, these large IT services firms uh, who work as partners to banks, uh, where do you think are the lacunae in the banking or financial system? Uh, what would you say are, let's say, the top three areas that need to be improved to make it easier to detect and report transactions and, you know, in turn, uh, report the suspected criminals who are abusing the financial system? Sure. So uh, if, if we see like like we were talking about the large banks, so the penalties about large banks are, uh, you know, more talked about. So we know about, uh, you know, their, their systems and their processes because it's, so much is written about them in the media. So I think uh, with the large banks, what happens is they are spread across uh, multiple countries and the way they have grown has been, uh, you know, organic, inorganic. They would have acquired some bank and they would have, you know, opened a new branch, opened office in a new country. So there has been all kinds of growth and, and most of them have been 150 to 200 years old. So you, you, know, you can you can see the uh, evolution. So what has happened in the process is that uh, their uh, their whole landscape, you know, if we talk about uh, the uh, the process landscape or the system landscape, has become very fragmented. So uh, in every country where you have acquired a bank, you have acquired the legacy systems also. You have acquired those uh, processes also, right? So so those have remained very local, and uh, it has become disparate. So if you look at a large bank which has operations in fifty countries. 
you will see 50 different uh, you know different processes and rules working across and in each country you will see again 10 or 15 different systems just for uh, you know doing kyc or an aml so i think that is uh, the major gap that we see or, or or the problem area that that we see the systems and data is fragmented now that is criminal you cannot have a bank with uh, so much of uh, you know disparate systems and data because the whole concept of tracking uh, criminals is about aggregating their behavior so unless you have the full view the 360 degree view of every single customer and their whole networks also it is impossible to track uh, criminals so that i think is is the you know first major problem uh, the second is about having frameworks which are not uniform. If you are a bank and you have a, a framework which is different in every different country, I think that that will not work because then uh, then it means that it's not acting as a bank overall. Uh, it, it, so the criminals will try to use that country or that uh, you know that jurisdiction where the regulations or or where your uh, you know systems and processes are leaner. And, and that's that's what has been happening, right? So we hear of large banks which are doing massive amount of transformations and uh, you know digitization, but still we hear that bank being penalized in some country. Why is that? Probably the uh, you know the criminal has uh, used that loophole in that country because it's it's still not uh, standardized to that extent. So I think build global and execute local is what should be the framework in terms of processes. And the third, I would say, uh, you know, people. So I always try to talk about these three things. First, I said, uh, you know, platform, process, and then it would be uh, people. So in terms of people, I think uh, in, in a lot of cases, we see that uh, the people, our analysts or our frontline staff, are so busy just doing their work that they're not aware of what is changing, what regulations have changed, probably new systems have changed. They may not even know when, uh, when the bank has changed from system X to system Y. They may not even know how to use that system or how to use a certain you know, feature of that. So I think uh, skilling and training and uh, uh, you know, continuously maintaining your uh, skill set of the people are, are extremely important. So those were the three people process and platforms right thank you thank you so much sujata for all that information and for sharing your thoughts it was fantastic speaking with you and uh, you know pleasure having this conversation it was my pleasure too thank you so much for having me once again